Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo, how's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. Uh, just because it, it'll be more awkward if I don't. Thank you. Thank you, George. Thank you, elders. Thank you, church. Uh, we feel very honored as, as pastors here. I, I, can, I can't speak for all of the staff, but I can say for myself. They could amen if they wanted. Uh, <laughs> uh, we feel very honored. It is, a, it is honestly a privilege uh, to get to do what we do. Uh, thank you for making that possible by your generosity and by the, by the provision that comes through you being generous through time, talent, treasure, and testimony. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, okay, good. Let's move, let's move on. Let's get to work. Can we get to work? We got, we got stuff to do. Um, uh, we're in a series through the midst of John. We're coming to its conclusion. Um, and we are, we are walking through this. And as you kind of heard from that video, the, 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 the reason John said he wrote this, this account of the life of Jesus, despite the fact that almost, almost universally, uh, all, all theologians agree, which that statement right there is a miracle, but almost universally, all, all theologians agree that John was the last of the four Gospels written. And so despite the fact we already had Matthew, we already had Luke, we already had, we already had Mark, something in John said there, there's, there's a piece that God has given me to show his people. And so he writes this Gospel, and he says, within it, he wrote it that we might come to believe, that is to embrace and entrust the reality of who Jesus is as the full picture, full spectrum, nothing held back revelation of who God is. Amen? And so we've been diving into this and looking at this for quite some time. Uh, we've made our way to John 18, but last week I included one verse from John 17, so we're going to do that again. So we're, we're in John 18, but we're just going to read one verse from John 17. We're not going backwards, we're going forwards. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to John 17, 26. We're going to read uh, into and, and to John 18, 12. Let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's Word. How many of you love the reality that God speaks to his people? He speaks to his people because that's who he is. Come on, he is the word. He speaks to us. This is John chapter 17. Jesus praying here says this, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Verse 18, or chapter 18, verse 1, says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden. Everybody say a garden. Which he and his disciples entered. Now, Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas had procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he, Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me I have not lost one. Now jump to verse 12 just because I want us to see the conclusions. Don't worry, we'll get to the verses in between eventually, but just, just go with me here to verse 12. It says, so, they, so the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. Will you pray with me this morning? Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. I said, we thank you for your word. 
I said pray with me, not pray while I pray. Come on, pray with me. Holy Spirit, we thank you, come on, for your word. We praise you for your word. We declare that we have come here to hear from you. We come here to hear the ramblings of some lunatic preacher. We didn't come here just to hear opinions spouted off by one more person. We need to hear from you. God, I declare, I need to hear from you today. I thank you for the word that you've spoken to me in days gone by, but I declare that I need a new word. Today has new issues. I need a new word. Today has new hunger. I need a new word. And so we come boldly and yet desperately, desperately and yet boldly. We come before you with open ears and open hearts to receive your word. God, let your word be received by our souls today. Let it, let it travel past all of the distractions, past all of the disappointment, past all of the discouragement, past all of the joy, past all of the, the rejoicing, and, and find its way into the depths of our souls that it might be buried deep within us, finding good soil, having roots to grow down so that it might have strength and stability to grow up. That we might grow up into the head who is, all, who is above all things, who is in all things, who is over all things, into you, Jesus. That we might answer, as it were, the cry of all creation for the revealing of the sons of man. God, that we would recognize that we are the answer that the world needs. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Will you high-five somebody real fast and then grab your seat? Amen, amen. Some of you are getting to meet new people thanks to the, the ladies that moved around. I, can't, I, I cannot imagine the conversations that husband has as they walked in the room. They're like, we're sitting where? But that's not where we sit. Amen, I love it. All right, uh, if you're taking notes, I hope you are. We, we got a lot to cover today. Um, and I'm, I'm going to talk fast, so I hope you listen fast. Um, I will, Angie. And Angie's my second favorite person in the church right now. Um, I want to talk to you this morning under the subject of the title, Demolition by Demonstration. Demolition by Demonstration. We, we, we've been kind of hovering around this, and, and, I, and I, I need to move us along, and, but I want to make sure that we, we understand what I'm saying. I, I, got some, I, got, <laughs> I got some emails this week, and I appreciated every one of them. Because what, what I'm trying to get us to see I, I, at, the, at, at, the, at, the time, at the same time of trying to teach it to you, if I'm going to be totally transparently honest as your pastor, I'm, I'm also trying to get you to wrestle with it. I'm also trying to get you to actually listen to what's being taught and actually, actually weigh the ramifications of what that means. I warned you a few weeks ago that, that we needed to walk into some spaces to say, are we interested in having what we believe to be true affirmed, or are we interested in knowing that what we believe is true? That requires being confronted with some things that we inherited from other people who meant good and taught us to the, to the, to the greatest capacity of their abilities. Come on. But are we willing to admit that God maybe has more to show us about himself than we've seen before? See, we're good with that as long as it means seeing something new. We struggle with it. Come on. When it means I have to unsee something old. I have to, I have to, <laughs> I have to do that thing that I don't like to do, which is admit that I was... See, I think the reason wrong is spelt, starts with a W is to prove how hard it is to say. We have to admit that we were wrong. And that's hard for us because, come on, come on, we are people of truth. That's true, we are. Come on, we are. 
But if we're going to continue to be people of truth, we have to be willing to do the dangerous thing of walking into some places and, and, and saying, like David said, examine me, search me, try me, see, what, see what's in there. Again, my, 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 my like, way I've tried to communicate this is I feel like over the last several years, the Lord's just been, been, been taking apart piece by piece the things that I believe. To, to uncover places hidden beneath other things where little lies have snuck in. Or as, as, the, as the writer of Song of Solomon says, where, where little foxes have snuck into the garden to try to just weasel away and try to, try to just eat away little bits of fruit-bearingness in my life. I want to just make sure that we're clear. Come on. My, my desire to, to, to make you wrestle does not come from a place of wanting to be vague or not be clear in communication. Where it comes from is a place of, of refusing to qualify everything to appease us so that I don't have to think about it. This morning, I want to make abundantly clear my goal in the midst of all this. So let's, let's jump through this. We're going to go real quick through all this as I take my time. Um, <laughs> Jesus here in, in John 18, I pointed out this is a shift where Jesus moves from declaration to demonstration. Again, I'm not saying that Jesus never did anything before this and he's not going to say anything after this, but rather the primary means by which he has come to fulfill his mission in this portion of the Gospel of John is by demonstration. What is this mission? Jesus comes to deliver us by being and bringing the light of God into our darkness. His mission remains to destroy the darkness that we are bound in. Amen? But he's been declaring the reality of that darkness. Now he's come to demonstrate the reality of that darkness. He's come to declare the reality of his light. He's now come to demonstrate the reality of him being and now having come to be with us the reality of God. I want to be super clear. Humanity, humanity apart from Jesus does not see God accurately. I'm going to say that one more time to make sure that it's in the record and nobody can accuse me of, of, of standing on any other place. Jesus is the only way we see God rightly. We are incapable incapable of, of seeing the utter otherliness of God. I've taught you this word, otherliness. It's my, it's my definition of holy. We use the word holy, and we, we come on, we, we like to use the word holy in church, and most of us have not a clue what we mean by it. At best, we think it's a moral declaration about God. God's holy, as in he's morally perfect. I have really good news and really bad news. Good news. God is, of course, absolutely morally perfect. Nobody's excited about the guy that rules everything that he's morally perfect. I'm very happy about that. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to admit before y'all that there have been times, I'm not making this up, this is not to be funny, there have literally been times where I've been in prayer before the Lord, praying about stuff, and I've literally said to the Lord, if you would give me all of your powers for one day, I could fix a lot of stuff down here. How many of you all, come on, are grateful he didn't answer that prayer? Because I am, I am not morally perfect. The, the declaration of the holiness of God is not a moral declaration. It is an ontological declaration. It, is, it, it has to do with his being. This is, this is why, come on, this is why I, I, I push back when people say, uh, Pastor, you're, you're talking about a lot about the love of God. The Bible talks more about the holiness of God than it talks about the love of God. You're right, it does. Because every aspect of God is holy. Every aspect of God, are you hearing me, is otherly. So when we see his righteousness, his righteousness is holy righteousness. It's not like my righteousness. It's not like your righteousness. It's otherly righteousness. When we see his justice, it's otherly justice. When we see his love, come on, it's otherly love. It's not like any other love. We are incapable of seeing the otherness of God. The utter otherness of him apart from the divine inter intervention at the extreme measure that we call the incarnation. Uh, let, me, let me unpack that. 
It took God wrapping himself in meat for us to be able to even perceive and process who he is. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it. God moved into our neighborhood and set up camp. That's what it took for us to see him. That's what it took for us to be able to process the magnitude of who he is. Why, why is that? Because we're in darkness. Again, apart from Jesus, we are in darkness. It takes God being one of us to deal with that darkness. Why? Because our darkness, listen, is a complex, multifaceted problem. Can I say it this way? I use the term darkness as a bucket term to just put all of our problems into. Here's the unpacking of that in the simplest way. I could go far more in detail, but this is the simplest way. The, the, do, do, you, do you know this term, irreducible complexity? I could make it more complicated than this and, and, and give you understanding, but I couldn't make it any less complicated than this. And if you missed any of this part, we'd be missing something vital. Are you tracking with me? So we, under, we define darkness. I define darkness as deception, delusion, depravity, and death. But if you notice, I did a little something here. This, the deception led to the delusion. The delusion led to the depravity. The depravity led to the death. Are you tracking with me on this? It's important to me that we understand this because for too long, we, 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 too many camps set up around one of these problems and say, this is what Jesus solves. And what I'm going to show you today, I'm ruining my message. What I'm going to show you today is Jesus is not okay with leaving any of this untouched. He comes to deal with all of it. And if we limit redemption, hear me, church, if we limit redemption to him just dealing with one of these things, then we trap ourselves by our own lack of understanding to still be bound by others. Deception produces delusion. Delusion produces depravity. Depravity produces death. Jesus is on a journey to the depths of this darkness. It all starts with the deception. With The deception was the lie. The lie that God's no good. God is a no good liar who withholds good from those he only claims to love. Again, I always have to put it up. It's false. It's a lie. That's the lie, listen, that we sold everything to believe. We heard that lie and we said, yep, I'm going I'm to bet the bank on that. I, I'm, I'm going to believe with all of my heart that that's true. God is no good. We, we did more. Listen to me. We did more than just hear this lie and go, oh, that's interesting, and entertain it. We fully bought in to the lie. All of humanity represented in our first parents, Adam and Eve, we all, we, we took the chips of our entire eternal destiny and we shoved them into the middle of the table with that hand of cards. We bet it all that God actually isn't good. Have you ever talked to somebody who believes something that you know isn't true? But they believe that you believe something that they know isn't true. Buckle your seatbelts. We're about to televise these kind of conversations on TV next year. Come on. If you, if you talk to a person on this side of the aisle, that side of the aisle is utterly ruining our country. But if you travel over there and have conversations with them, you'll find out, no, it's actually them that's ruining our country. Here's what I'm trying to say. The problem with deception is it's really deceiving. <laughs> right? I, 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 d d d laugh, but hear me. We bought this. And we've done everything in our lives, everything within our power to prove, come on, you know that this is what we do, right? We make an opinion and then we plug our ears to every other opinion. We close our eyes to all the evidence to the contrary and just amass little pieces of evidence that seem to support our preconceived ideas. I've already gotten in trouble. Let's just get all the way in trouble. This is how Fox News and CNN make all of their money. They tell you what you want to hear. And you think everybody listening to the other one is just a brainwashed idiot. 
By the way, it's M-A-R-K, that little circle A sign, S-O-Z-O-S-P-O-K-A-N-E dot O-R-G. We're working on a better website. I'm sorry. But for now, that's it. Mark at SozaSpokane.org. I will, I will, listen, if you have a problem with me making that statement, I will gladly hear your email. I will gladly read your email. I will gladly delete your email. (laughs) But send it if it makes you feel better. We believed this lie like that. We, 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 We indoctrinated ourselves around it. We proved it to ourselves. Can I say it that way? But here's what I need you to see. That lie did not remain alone. Once we, once we owned this lie, it led to another lie. Let me put it this way. The seed of that lie produced after its kind. And I believed a lie about him, and it led to me believing a lie about me. And this is the lie we believed about ourselves. I can alienate God with my rejection. I can alter him with my rebellion, and I can arrest him with my religion. If I just do what God doesn't like, he'll leave me alone. If I puff up my chest and act a fool, then he'll, 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 come on, come on, come on, then he'll change his behavior around me. If I, if I, if I just do what's right, I can make, I can make him owe me something. I can control God. I can be God. By the way, real fast. That's not true either. In case anybody took a picture of that screen, delete it off your phone, take another one. <laughs> don't be posting that stuff online. I get enough emails from y'all. I don't need angry internet people. <laughs> I heard his pastor said, no, false. Here, here's the deal. I, I, I've, I've said this to you, but I think it's important. I think it's valuable that we travel back and see this play out. Genesis chapter 2. I want you to see some stuff here. I'm not even to my message yet. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. So, so God has created all things. He's made all things. He's, he's created man and woman, and, and he's, he's placed them in the midst of a perfect garden, all for their enjoyment, all for their provision, all for their pleasure. Amen? Verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded man, saying, You may surely, everybody say surely. surely. Say, don't call me surely. You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Translation, you have the capacity to to eat any of this that you want. You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. I need you to hear what he actually said and not what you think he said. He did not promise, listen, 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 put your hearing ears on. He did not promise punishment. This was not a promise of punishment. This was a prognosis of a product. He didn't say, come on parents, parents, he didn't say, you touch that, I'm going to spank your butt. That's an okay thing to say as parents, just so we're clear. You're you're welcome. He didn't do that. This isn't, if you you touch my stuff, I'm going to smack you. This is, the burner's hot. If you touch it, it will burn you. Do you hear the difference? This isn't, Don't play on the cliff because I don't like you playing on the cliff. It's don't play on the cliff because you'll fall off of it. He was, he was, he was, he was predicting the product of their disobedience. He wasn't promising punishment for their disobedience. But here's, here's, here's what I need you to see. Our, our fallen, religious, rebellious, rejecting ears hear that and we hear it as punishment, don't we? We hear it as God saying like, I'll kill you. Touch my stuff and I'll kill you. That tree's mine. I like, those are my apples. By the way, I just think it's funny that we always make it a fruit that didn't require peeling. <laughs> you ever notice that? It's like an apple, it's a pear. It's never like, it's never like a melon. 
It's never something that took some effort to get into. But in my own life, I can tell you all of the sin I got into took me some effort. Are you tracking? Are you tracking? He's, he's showing them what's going to happen. He's not warning them that he's going to do it. Right? The result, he says, of rejection, rebellion, and religion would be the loss of life. Right? Right? We're all together? Okay, let's see, let's see this play out. So they, 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 do, they do the thing. Verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, okay, let, let's, 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 just see, let's just see this last part, right? In the day you eat it, you shall surely die. That's, that's, what's, that's, that's, the, that's the message they get from, from God. But the serpent, everybody say, but the serpent. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. God's a liar. Do you see, do you see this? I'm not, make, I'm not trying to make up clever ways to say something. This is, this is what he did. He said, God lied to you. And what do you call someone who lies? You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be able, you, you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And also gave some to her husband, who wasn't far off away. He was there listening to the whole stinking conversation, so we're not off the hook either. <laughs> and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day. And here, here it is, here it is, here it is. You're about ready to see the death. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? Don't eat this tree because it'll kill you. They eat the tree and death shows up. How do we see death show up? They hide from the presence of the Lord. And this is eternal life that they know you. So what happened when we ate? What happened when we chose rejection, rebellion, and yes, religion? That's literally them sewing fig leaves together is them trying to figure out a way to cover up their own sin and shame. Religion. By engaging in rejection, rebellion, and religion, they marred their capacity to know him. Because when he shows up, the scriptures say, in the cool of the day, literally, literally, in Hebrew, it's a, it's a super complicated sentence. Like, like it's interesting to me that, that it's, it's, it's translated so poetically and it makes me wonder, so I have to dive into the original language. And when, there you find out, you could translate it, they heard the, the breath of God in the wind. They, they, they heard, they heard, they heard the sound of God in the Ruach, the Spirit. In other words, all of who God was shows up. The full, come on, the full Godhead, the perichoresis of God, the circle spinning dance of God shows up to the meeting they've had, we don't know, a hundred times, a thousand times, a mil, we don't have no idea how much time has gone by. But they know Him, all He's ever done is good for them. And the first thing they do, stitch some stuff together, go hide in the bushes. They hide from the knowledge of God. He promised death. Now, we need to understand, 
Jesus here says this is eternal life. That word life, again, we've gone over this, it's going to go real fast, is zoe, not bios. Bios is your biological life. Zoe life is the eternal, real, significant life. It's eternal is, is the best word we have, but it's not about the quantity of life. It's about the quality of life. You're going to live forever regardless. It's not what, what quantity of life you're going to have. It's what quality of life you're going to have. And so we see here, Jesus Jesus says, to know you is life. And they died, that means they don't know God anymore. They don't know him. He's standing right in front of them in all of his Trinitarian goodness. And they can't see him. Why? Because shame is the prison birthed within the soul, that sin births within the soul. Sin has crawled up inside of them and trapped them in a prison of shame. It's lied to them about who God is, and they have taken that lie, and they have smeared it all over the face of God. That's what they believe about him, and they prove it by their behavior. And we have continued, as humanity, to go down the same road ever since until Jesus shows up. They hide themselves. Jesus comes to make that known. Again, we saw this in, in John 17, 3, right? To know God is to have true life. Can we, can we, can we say it that way? <laughs> Praise be to God. Jesus shows up. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Thus settling the argument, Jesus is God. Amen? And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Here's what I need you to see. Life and light are inseparably connected from all eternity. So Jesus comes as the light, as the life. He comes to us so that we can know him. Because true liberation is only found in knowing God. We are, we are bound and trapped in our darkness. Our only hope, we are dead and dark, and our only hope is that life and light would find us there. That's a poetic way of saying that we would know who he is. We've learned this already. No, Greek, gnosko. It doesn't just mean to mentally understand. Gnosko is the word that that Mary uses when, when God comes to Mary and says, you're going to be with child. And she says, how can I be with child? I've never known a man. It's personal, passionate, private, intimate, experiential knowledge. When Mary says, I've never known a man, it doesn't mean, come on, that she's been locked away in a tower her whole life and never seen a dude before. <laughs> she's literally saying, PG-13 warning, she's never had sex. I've never been intimate with a man. Life comes through being intimate with God. I know that makes some of us uncomfortable. I'm okay with that. So Jesus comes, come on, to bring that true liberation. He, he's, he comes. Come on, please, please see this. Jesus comes, sent by, commissioned by Abba, fully anointed in the Holy Spirit to be and bring light into our darkness, to be and bring life into our death. See, please see this. My goal, my goal is to get us to have a richer, deeper, broader understanding of what it means that you have been saved. To see the magnitude of what it is that he has done. And that might require you to rethink some things that you've thought before. I don't even have time for this. We've got to, we've got to free the word repentance from religion. We hear repent and we either think that thing that that jerk on the street corner downtown that screams at people is telling me to do you need to repent and turn or you're going to burn, right? <laughs> or maybe if you were raised around church, you think repent is that thing you did after they sleep deprived you at youth camp for three or four nights and you cried at the altar. 
Repentance literally means to rethink. Think something you haven't thought before. We need to repent of the way we think about redemption. Because our understanding of redemption, here, I wasn't even going to go here. Y'all are just, y'all are just so great. Making me do this. We like to take what we like to think of redemption as and build a little, a little ghetto around it and claim that all the other people's views of redemption are wrong. Instead of maybe admitting that the infinite God of all time, space, and creation might have done something slightly more complex than one little ghetto has ever thought possible. And my hope, my goal in this part of the book of John is to get us out of our ghetto and to see the beauty, come on, of a full spectrum picture of what Jesus has done for us. And that might mean confronting some of the limitations of what we think he did for us. And seeing that what he did is a little bit bigger. He liberates us by revealing God to us. He shows us who Yahweh really is. Because he is, according to, to Colossians 2, to, to, 2, 9, he is the embodiment of Yahweh. So, so here's what I need you to see, and then, and then we're going to get to the message. <laughs> Everything you see Jesus do is exactly what Yahweh would do if he was there. Get rid of this dual thinking that Jesus like snuck out of heaven to do something to make sure his dad wasn't mad anymore. It's not like there's a circle dance going on in heaven and it took them a few spins to realize like, where'd the sun go? <laughs> They're all there present in him. Come on. So my big question, and, and I'm gonna go as fast as I possibly can. What then does Jesus demonstrate about Yahweh in these verses? Don't, don't see these verses as some historical account of, a, of, the, of the moving of Jesus from place to place. To place. No, 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 no. In, in, just, in just these few little verses, what do we see? What do we see? What do we see? Let's go really, really fast. First, we see that Yahweh walks into darkness and pain. Yahweh walks into darkness and pain. He does it in Genesis. Come on. And he does it in John. I'm not just being poetic here. I'm not just being poetic when I say darkness and pain. Literally, I want you to understand the significance of, of, this, of this brook Kidron. So real fast, let's see this. Let's look at it biblically here. Biblically, it's a significant river. In, in uh, 2 Samuel 15, fact check me on that later, 2 Samuel 15, we see David, his son rises up to take over the nation and to kill David. David flees over, the Bible says, over the brook Kidron to escape to save his own life. Well, how many of you are glad that Jesus crosses over that same river to give his life? Okay, so I'm showing you it's a significant river. This isn't just some like random place he chose. But it's more than just that significance. Of course Jesus did that. Come on, come on, come on. He's a better king. But Kidron, the root word for Kidron literally means dark and mourn. Jesus is crossing into our darkness He's crossing into the place of his own mourning. Again, in other gospels we know he goes there to weep. But here's, here's the part that, that, that really surprised me, and I'm still trying to dig into this. You're getting a little bit of half-baked bread, but just, just, just go with this for just a second. Literally, the Greek here is not, is not brook. It's not a creek. It's a torrent. It is a rushing, raging river. See, Jesus doesn't just walk over the, well, my darkness is just this nice little stream. I mean, I have some darkness, but it's just a little, little bit of darkness. It's just kind of a quiet, nice darkness. No, Jesus steps into the raging reality of what we call dark. He's walking fully into it. He's not holding back. He's not withholding at all. He's walking into this. And what I need you to see is he's not just able to do this. He's willing to do this. This isn't something that he's like, well, what happens is going to happen. No, no, no. He willingly, he, he knows, according to John, he knows all that would take place. And he willingly steps in. He doesn't, he's not just a, he's not just a God of good intentions. 
Good intentions are just that. They're good, but they're just intentions. He has the inherent will to see this thing through. Nobody look around the room, especially at your spouse. But how many times have you promised or received a promise that something was going to happen fully intending to do that thing? (whistles) But then like a bird flew by and then like, you know, you remembered that other thing you had to do and your intentions were great. But you lacked the will to actually accomplish it. Jesus does not lack the ability and he does not lack the will to walk fully into our darkness. Are you tracking with me? Once we see this, once he shows us this, we see that once he's in our darkness, Yahweh doesn't withhold himself from us. When the reality of darkness looks for him to throw lies back at him. Come on, we're going to get to his horrible trials here in a minute where they lie and slander and make up stuff about him. He knows that's going to happen. He knows they're there to lie about him. He knows they're there to say stuff that's not true. He knows they're there to slander him. He knows they're there to ultimately execute him. And yet, even in the face of that, he knows that. He knows all of it. He still shows up. What you got, what we need to understand is this. The seed that was sown in Genesis is now grown and bearing full fruit. Genesis we, we sow deception and delusion and we hide from God. But that, that, that seed grows into this terrible tree we call depravity. And now, come on, come on, see it. Now humanity's not hiding from God. They're going to find him so they can arrest him, so they can imprison him, so they can beat him, so they can slander him, so they ultimately can murder him. And God in his wisdom doesn't deal with the problem in seed form. He lets it grow up so its fruit can be judged. I've always wondered, God, if if the problem was deception and delusion, why didn't you just come down and wipe all that away from Adam and Eve and go, you dummies, look, I'm right here. Jesus tells us why in the parable. He says, look, if somebody comes, come on, and sows bad seed amongst good seed, If you try to rip it all up, you're going to lose the good seed and the bad seed. you got to let it grow, harvest it, and judge it then. He's let it grow up. Humanity has grown to the full potential of who we are. Come on. And now the fruit's there. And now there's no mistaking what that lie does to the human soul. They're there to kill him. They're there to imprison him. They're there to murder him. In love and grace and wisdom, God has let this thing grow up so he can judge it. Jesus doesn't hide. Again, I want to make sure we get this. Jesus doesn't hide from this because Yahweh doesn't hide from this. When our depravity comes to imprison and ultimately execute him, he willingly steps forward so that he can reveal the true heart of God. Jesus is face to face with the the reality of our depravity in this moment. He's got, come on, he's got, Roman, he's got Roman soldiers, he's got religious leaders, he's got one of his best friends there to betray him. You tell me what's missing. You got politics, religion, relationships, the finance guy, like every part of this has turned against him. And what does he say? I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm not hiding, I'm not escaping, I'm not scared of you. He comes home, he's dad coming home after the kids have thrown a party. The house is trashed, and the kids are so convinced that dad's going to be mad that they've decided to be mad first. So they're punching holes in the wall, they're setting stuff on fire, they're screaming, they are ready for a fight. And dad just shows up to stare at him. He says, I'm right here. What do you want to do? I'm not going anywhere. This didn't scare me off. You can punch holes in the walls all you want. I'm not going anywhere. 
I love the love of God. Because what he's doing, don't miss this, don't miss this, is he's tricking them into carrying him to the depths of their darkness. See, in his public ministry, he could address the deception and the delusion. He could tell them they were wrong about God and wrong about themselves. But there's still the depravity problem. There's still the death problem. And he knows he must walk fully into the cave of their darkness, all the way down to the bottom of the pit of their despair, all the way down to the hole of deception, delusion, depravity, and yes, even death that we dug for ourselves. He goes all the way down there so that he can deliver us from there back to the heart of God. Because we aren't just bound by deception. We're not just bound by delusion. We're not even just bound by depravity, beloved. We are bound by death. And before this story is over, he will have dealt with each and every piece of that. He will not stop. Come on. Until you are free, yes, free indeed. Put all this together. Yahweh gives himself to humanity at the depths of our darkness and pain. Not in spite of it. The best religion could ever tell me was God loves you in spite of your sin. But Jesus here gives himself to them because of their sin. Jesus doesn't offer himself to us in spite of our sin. Jesus offers himself to us because of our sin. It's a trap. They think they're arresting him. In reality, he's honoring them by allowing them to carry him down to the deepest parts of their darkness. They think they're, listen, listen, they think they're going to win. Everybody thinks they're winning. This is, this is what religion does. It tries to prove, come on, that the lie is true. Jesus is literally staring into the eyes of our rejection, rebellion, and yes, even our religion. And as we try to, to do with all of our might to prove our ability to alienate him, to alter him, and to arrest him. Look at this. Don't miss what grace does. They can't get him to turn away. They can't get him to run away. He just stays there. They can't get him to react. Don't miss it. We, we, again, we got to fill in from some other gospels because John just assumes you've read the other gospels. Jesus has, his men have some swords. We skipped over the part. Don't worry, I know a bunch of dudes in the room were like, I wanted to get to the ear chopping off part. <laughs> Repent. Um, <laughs> we'll get there though. Jesus' men have, can I say it? They're packing. These guys are like, okay, we showed up, we showed up for the fight, right? Anybody else see West Side Story in this, right? They're like, they're, um, they're there to throw down. They're trying to get Jesus to change, to alter him. Are you seeing this? He won't do it. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not playing your game. They, they try to arrest him, and all it takes is for him to say his name, and they fall over. Who do you think's really in charge right now? If all it takes is for him to say his name and they fall over, who do you think's really running the show? They try to do all of these things, and grace and truth looks into the face of rejection, rebellion, and religion, trying to alienate, alter, and arrest him. And grace and truth looks back and just goes, no. No. And they're tricked, come on, to carry him a little deeper, a little deeper into their depravity. But I also want you to see this. I love this little, this little, this little kind of statement he makes. He says, listen, I, I, you think you're arresting me. I'm actually going with you. Calm down. 
Don't make me say my name again. <laughs> but you let them go. Yes, yes, we see this here as one more evidence of the goodness of Jesus. Come on, redeeming and freeing his people. But there's also another aspect to this. And that is, he says, this is the part of the road that only I get to walk. No one else gets to share this part of the journey. Come on, let's say it the way another theologian said it. The only thing that you supplied to your salvation is your need for it. Jesus says, all of this part I'm doing myself. This is all done for you. Some stuff I'm going to do with you. This is not one of those things I'm going to do with you. This is something I'm going to do for you. I'm not sharing this glory with you. This glory is too gory. I'm not doing it. I'm walking this road alone. You let them go. And they take Jesus. They arrest Jesus. They carry Jesus. You see, what I need us to understand is this. The declaration of the illusion of our separation that I talked about last week is insufficient to free us from the prison of our shame. Was it a necessary part of the liberation process? Yes and amen. It has to be heard. We have to realize that that's a lie we projected onto him. But just understanding that is not enough to free us. We still have to, he, he still has to, forgive me, he still has to deal with the depravity and deal with the death. That's just as real. But to deny the reality of, of the deception and the delusion and just want to talk about the depravity and death is to leave us in the lies that we still believe about him. He walked through each one of them, so we're going to walk through each one of them. My goal then, listen, 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 we're, we're landing the plane. My goal is not to demonstrate the immensity of our darkness, but to declare the intensity of his light. My goal is not to demonstrate the immensity of our darkness. Come on, though it is great. You want to know how dark human darkness is? Turn on the TV. That's all the result of that. And Jesus is right now, come on, come on, right now establishing his kingdom. In the midst of all of that darkness, his kingdom is growing. Come on. His kingdom is advancing. His kingdom is coming. Talked to a friend a while back. There are more, there are, the, 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 the current, their best estimate, this is a missionary that works in the Middle East. Their best estimate is that more Muslims are coming to faith than are having babies. So you can buy all the garbage that CNN and Fox wants to tell you about how the world's going to hell in a handbasket, or we can believe that of the increase of his government, there will be no end. I like my news better than your news. I'm not here to talk to us about the, 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 the complexity. I, I need us to understand the darkness, not so that we can marvel at the darkness, but so we can stand flat-footed before him and marvel at the beauty of his light. Light always has and it always will shine into darkness, and darkness will never overcome it. I need you to see the reality of his light. He walks right into your darkness, your mess, your pain. Come on, he did this cosmically and he does it for you personally. Your mess, the me come on, the mess that you made, he walks right into the middle of it. The pain that you can't seem to even think in the midst of, he walks right into the middle of it. And he comes, come on, as light and Life. It's why we said, it's why we rejoice. So then the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding, to show us just how dark the dark is dark. And yet, wherever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. 
We don't talk about sin to talk about sin. We talk about sin to reveal grace. I like J.B. Phillips. Yet though sin is shown to be wide and deep, thank God his grace is wider and deeper still. Can I say it another way? Though darkness is shown to be wide and deep, thank God his light is wider and deeper still. Can I say it another way? Though death is shown to be wide and deep, thank God his life is wider and deeper still. He smuggles his way to the bottom of our cave and we're on that journey with him through the Gospel of John. Let's stand to our feet. We need to respond. Here's what I want us to do. Here's how I want us to to walk through this response stuff. Come on, we believe. No, I'm going to ask. Do we believe that it's right and good to respond when we hear God speak? Is it only appropriate to respond when we hear God speak when we fully understand all of it? Or is it okay to respond, even, even respond with wrestling? Come on. And you might be sitting here going like, well, I thought Jesus just died because his dad was real mad. Come on, for years I believed in a, in a view of the cross that said, thank God that Jesus was willing to let his dad beat him so his dad wouldn't beat me. But beloved, that's not the good news of the gospel. So here's what I'm asking us. Here's how I think we need to respond. Jesus honors us. Come on, come on. He honors us by allowing us the privilege of carrying him into the depths of our darkness. What darkness? Come on, come on. What darkness? What, what, what prison of shame has sin birthed within your soul? Stop hiding from Jesus in that prison and learn how to carry Jesus into that prison. You say, but I don't understand it. This thing happened to me. This thing, this thing too. And yeah, and you're not going to understand it until you let the one, come on, who made everything find his way there. Into the painful place, into the shameful place, into the hurting place, into the disappointment and the discouragement, into the prayers he didn't answer and you're mad at him about. into the delay that keeps happening and you're frustrated with him. He's not asking you to pretend like everything's awesome. He's tricking you into carrying him into the depths of that. Today, as we give time for contemplation, take the time to let him go deep down. And let, listen, 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 I want to pass to you for a moment. Let that do whatever it does in you. It may result in frustration. It may result in tears. It may result in the need to have a conversation with somebody. It may result in the need to have a letter written. or I, I don't know, but, but let it take you where, let, let him take you where he takes you. The next thing I felt like Holy Spirit wants us to do Man, I believe, come on, that Jesus is the breath and voice of God. And he is right here. Come on, he is right here. He is right here in the midst of this, just like he was in the garden. Come on, he always, he always, he always, listen to me now, hear me later. He always shows up for the encounter. Always. They had an appointment, it seems. The cool of the day, that was the time. That the spirit of God, the voice of God, the breath of God, show up can I be so bold this is the appointment this is the time where the breath of God the spirit of God shows up you can either take that as routine or you can take that as faithfulness I'm going to choose to take it as faithfulness he shows up he's got something he wants to whisper to you he's got something he wants to reveal to you there's a little more light come on 
He wants to, come on, he wants to turn up that dial. There's some, can I say it? Can I say it? There's some darkness he's going to expel today. So let him in a little deeper. Unlock one more door. That door that you locked, that you said that that, that room in your heart, you're like, yeah, yeah, he can go anywhere he wants, but not that room. Yeah, he wants in that room. Religion told you he doesn't want in that room. Religion told you you better clean up that room before he finds that room. Beloved, he knows that room. He knows everything. Can I tell you this? Can I blow your mind with this? He was in that room when you trashed that room. And here's what you're going to find. Come on. Here's what you're going to find. As you unlock that door, here's what you're going to find. Are you ready? You're going to unlock that door. You're going to swing that door up and guess who's going to be waiting inside that room? Jesus. He's already there. The, The only person you're fooling is you. Maybe like your three dumbest friends with you, but everybody else sees it. He sees it. It's time that we abandon the lies we've believed about him. It's time we abandon the lies we believe about ourselves. He is good, and he can't be anything other than good. And your dumb self doing your dumb stuff cannot change his goodness. I'm going to say that again because somebody needs to hear that again. You're dumb, and you being dumb can't make him any less good than he is. You acting a fool does not change how good he is. When we say amen, we nod our heads, but in that deep down, come on, deep down, come on, deep down, Tuesday morning, we think our mess up on Saturday night changed him. Well, he loved me before, but then I went and did this dumb thing. So now he must not love me anymore. Your stupidity cannot change his sovereignty. He's still good. I said he's still good. I said he's still good. When you amen good, he's good. When you don't amen good, he's still good. When you think you get it all right, he's good. When you think you got it all wrong, he's good. Come on, repent. Be willing to admit we have believed dumb things about who he is. We've believed ridiculous things about who we are. We got farther down this road we got to travel, but this is as far as we can go today. Come on, this is the baptism of today. We talked about this. We just keep, we just keep dunking until the soil gets soft. This is one more dunk. So we're going we're gonna to respond. Celebration, contemplation, communion. We're going we're gonna to celebrate. We're going to sing. We're going to rejoice. Come on. Because the goal is not, the goal is not to wallow over our darkness. The, the goal is to celebrate in his light. Amen? So we're going to celebrate in the light together. We're going to take some time to let him unearth some things. Wrestle through some things. We're also going to partake in communion. We're going to meet him. Come on at the table that he sets before us. The table of the proof that he went all the way. His broken body, come on, his shed blood. This table is open to all who put their faith in Jesus. We take by method known as in teaching where we take a piece of bread and dip in the cup. If you've not done that, if you've not repented and believed the gospel, my first question is why not? He's better than you ever have possibly dared to dream. calls us to repent, to admit and abandon all this, the lies that we have believed about him and to believe, to embrace and entrust the truth of who he is. And as that happens, come on, light floods into our darkness, life floods into our death. And we are transformed from being enemies of God to being the family of God. On. He was never your enemy, but you made yourself his enemy. He transforms us. He wins us. But if you're still here and you're still wrestling through that, we love you. 
we're not going to ask you to come up here and pretend like you're a Christian to take communion with us. You can hang out in your seat. No one's even going to notice. We also believe in, in, in communion and the table that the Lord makes for us in the family table. So we've got some people over here by the cross. They would love to stand with you and pray with you. If you're going through something, walking through some stuff in your life, you just need prayer. Maybe you're wrestling through this. Maybe you've got something going on in your body. Whatever it might be, prayer of any need. I don't want to limit or, or, or any, any prayer you need. They would love to stand and pray with you. We believe that when we pray, God hears. And when God hears, he responds. When he responds, stuff happens. So to simplify, when we pray, stuff happens. So Holy Spirit, we thank you today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for anointing Jesus to bring full light into our full darkness. We thank you, Jesus, for not stopping at the surface, but going all the way. We thank you, Abba, for welcoming us. Come on, for, for commissioning Jesus and welcoming us back into the family. We thank you that a way has been made. That there is blood to wash. There is power to save. Reveal yourself today. Make yourself known. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's respond to the Lord.